Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's College Football with Sam, and today I want to showcase my post-spring top 25 to you all. I've spent weeks and months worth of exciting research, delving into depth charts, watching spring games from 2023 and game film from 2022 and 2021, looking at high school and transfer portal recruiting and analyzing and predicting how those recruiting classes will affect their respective teams. It's been a ton of work, and it's been hard at times, but it's been extremely fun all the time. So I'm excited to showcase this top 25 to you all in today's video. So make sure to stick around until the end to get all top 25 teams and information on them in your head. Of course, as there should be with the amount of research that I have put in, there's been some pretty significant movement from my winter top 25 that I made in February to the one that I am making in today's video. So if you want to check out that winter top 25, click the link down below in the description. We're going to be going from team number 25 to team number one. We're going to save the best for last and start from the top. And let's go ahead and just start from the top right now. And that's number 25, Baylor. Baylor's coming off of a 12-2 season in 2021 where they captured the Big 12 title and a very disappointing follow-up season where they went 6-7 and seven after being one of the favorites to capture the conference. I think the Bears will meet in the middle with a 9-3, and 7-2 record in conference where they will lose to Utah, Texas, and on the road to Kansas State, but beating hated arch-rival TCU on the road where they lost to TCU both in 2021 and 2022. I think that Baylor's strength, which separates it from other teams that could have replaced them at number 25, is their head coach Dave Aranda and their offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, who I think are top 25 at their respective jobs. At running back, they have a solid, great back in Richard Reese and an offensive line that mainly thanks to BYU is reloading via the portal. Blake Shapen at quarterback and their defensive line very well could be weaknesses, though, and I think they will be. At number 24, you got the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State is coming off of an 8-5 record in 2021 and a 10-4 record where they captured the Big 12 in 2022, where they beat TCU, who were the runner-up national champions. Of course, losing 65-7. to Can't get that out of my head. I think that they'll go 9-3, 6-3 in conference, riding off of the success of last year, losing to TCU, and on the road at Texas and in a rivalry game versus Kansas, but having impressive wins against Baylor at home and Texas Tech and Missouri on the road. They have a great quarterback in Will Howard, who could be a Dark Horse Heisman candidate, though I don't think he will be a top 15 or even top 25 quarterback, but he has that potential. They'll be great at tight end, and also wide receiver with Malik Knowles coming back and Keegan Johnson coming in from Iowa in the portal. Their offensive line returns almost all of their production, and they have the potential to be the nation's best. That's what an A-plus means. Defensively, though, they lose most of their production, and I think D-line and potentially defensive back could be weaknesses of this football team. We have the fighting Jimbo Fishers at number 23. A&M has been disappointment after disappointment. Outside of maybe Fisher's first year in 2018 and the COVID year in 2020 where they had a top four finish and an Orange Bowl win, A&M has been a massive um, knee slapper, slap in the face, 
slipping on the banana peel. They've just, they've been disappointing. They've been absolutely disappointing under Jimbo Fisher. Worse than Kevin Sumlin, even. And I think Fisher's the problem, and I don't think Bobby Petrino is the solution. The game has passed him by. Lamar Jackson carried him at Louisville. They do have a great defensive coordinator in DJ Durkin, though, who has the likes of Walter Nolan and a plethora of other five stars on defense. Their defense will be among the nation's elite, and they have enough talent on offense. Wide receivers, Moose Muhammad and Evan Stewart are great talents, and they have a five-star guy who has a high ceiling and Connor Wiegman at quarterback. I think the offense and defense will both improve, defensively elite, offensively above average. That'll lead them to an 8-4 and four record, 4-4 four and four in conference with losses to Auburn, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and LSU. But Jimbo Fisher will pick up his second win against his former master, Nick Saban. At number 22, we got Auburn. Auburn is coming off of two losing seasons in a row. They went 6-7 and seven in 2021 and 5-7 and seven in 2022, where they fired Brian Harson. I think it was a good decision by Hugh Freeze to keep Cadillac Williams on the staff, and they brought in Philip Montgomery as their offensive coordinator. They have a great offensive staff. We'll see how the defensive staff works out. But at quarterback, running back, and in the trenches on both sides of the ball, they have retooled using the transfer portal. At running back, they were already great with Jarquez Hunter, who I think is an elite running back. But Peyton Thorne, adding him with Robbie Ashford, that gives you a dynamic duo at the position that I think is like a Walmart edition of Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. It'll be very interesting to see who starts, and I think that both will be worked into the offense. I think this team, like AM, will go 8 and 4, 4 and 4 in the SEC. They have a brutal schedule, though, playing both Georgia and Alabama. They'll lose to Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, and in a weird game against Vanderbilt, Hugh Freeze has a, a habit of losing these games to wildly inferior opponents, but he also has a habit of beating Nick Saban, and Nick Saban has a habit of losing in Jordan Air when Auburn is competent. At number 21, we have Notre Dame. Notre Dame's coming off of an 11-2 season in 2021 and a 9-4 season in 2022. Notre Dame, I think, will lose to Ohio State and USC at home and Clemson in what should be a revenge game for Dabo Swinney on the road. Their two most impressive wins in a schedule that outside of those three are weak would be on the road at NC State or a hosting game against what I think is an underrated, well-coached Pittsburgh team. Notre Dame's problem is straight up their staff and their wide receiver room. They have no wide receivers, one, and two, their staff, I think Marcus Freeman is a genius, but he's young, he's learning on the job, and he does not have good coordinators. He just doesn't. Gerard Parker is one of the worst Power 5, heck, worst FBS offensive coordinators right now. And Al Golden is overrated. Notre Dame's problem is not their talent. They have Sam Hartman at quarterback, Joe Alt on the offensive line, Jack Kaiser at linebacker, and an underrated power back in Audric Estime in their running back room. Talent is not Notre Dame's problem. The coaching staff is, which is why when they face Ohio State, USC, and Clemson, they will fall apart, and that's why they're outside of my top 20. At number 20, speaking of teams that are in my top 20, we got the reigning runner-ups. Sonny Dykes, Joe Gillespie, now Art Bryles, who's coming back to the Big 12, where his father, Art Bryles, was the coach at Baylor. 
we got TCU. And I think TCU will once again have a double-digit win season, albeit not undefeated, but still 10 wins with two losses, 7-2 and two in conference, losing to Texas Tech and Baylor, who nearly beat them last year. Baylor's a hated rival, and Texas Tech with Joey McGuire returns a lot, and they're heading in the right direction. I do think they will beat Texas in what will be a classic Big 12 trap game. It's on the road for Texas, and TCU's offense, as we watched last year, is one of the most beautiful and toxic things in existence. It's very hard to shut down unless you have an elite, solid defense that has solid coaching and doesn't panic when TCU makes weird play calls or adjustments. They do lose Garrett Riley, which is a huge blow, but I think Sonny Dykes is a top 15, top 10 head coach, and they brought in Alabama transfer JoJo Earl at a loaded wide receiver room. They returned tight end Jared Wiley, and they just have solid talent all around. Defensively, though, there are a whole lot of question marks for the Horned Frogs. At number 19, we got Iowa. Iowa is coming off of a 10-4, 8-5 season. In 2021, they were 10-4. 8-5 and was when they were playing in 2022. Obviously, sorry for the mix-up. Didn't have to do that with TCU because reigning national champions obviously means you were number two. So no introduction needed there. But anyway, not much of an introduction is needed for Iowa anyway. We know what they are. They didn't make any staff changes. They did use the portal for the first time, but again, no staff changes. I don't even need to talk to you about their staff. We already know the disaster of Brian Ferentz and yet the awesomeness of Phil Parker, who I think is the best defensive coordinator in the country. They brought in Cade McNamara at quarterback, and they brought in Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson at wide receiver, but those rooms are still very shallow, don't have a lot of depth. They'll be the weakness of this team. The strength of this team will be tight end with Luke Lachey and Eric All, who could be the best tight end duo in the country, defensive back with Cooper DeGene returning. They'll reload all around on defense. They return almost all their offensive line starters. Their schedule, too, is relatively easy. A road game at Penn State and a road game at Wisconsin, I think, will be their downfall. But outside of that, there are 10 very winnable games. And I think Iowa will go 10-2, and 7-2 in the Big Ten. At number 18, we got Tennessee. Tennessee is coming off of two seasons where Josh Heupel overshot the line, where he overachieved the expectations. And I think that this season, I don't know if he's going to do that again, but I still think they're going to be a top 20 potentially even a top 15 team with Joe Milton at quarterback, along with Nico Iamaliva, who will be pushing him every week. Running back, you got experience, and you got a great running back duo. At wide receiver, you have Dante Thornton, Ramel Keaton, and Squirrel White. Also cannot forget the big yards after catch guy in Brew McCoy. That's a wide receiver room that could be the nation's best. After all, that's what an A-plus means, is they have that number one ceiling capacity. However, their offense, as good as it is, and I think that they'll be able to score on any defense in the country, their anti-time-of-possession theory really kills their defense, especially their defensive back room, which I think will once again be a huge weakness for this unit. They'll lose on the road at Alabama and Kentucky and lose in a what I think will be a very good, entertaining battle at home against Georgia. They will have highlight wins over Texas A&M and on the road at Missouri and Florida, though. Number 17, we got Minnesota. P.J. Fleck is another coach 
that has overachieved, coming off of back-to-back 9-4 seasons. 9-4 seasons, which, by the way, had major injuries to them. Muhammad Ibrahim was out for the entire 2021 year, and Tanner Morgan was out for almost half, if not more, of the 2022 season. And they still went 9-4, and four, with massive talent discrepancies compared to a lot of their opponents. P.J. Fleck also had an 11-2 top 10 season in 2019. He's a great head coach. He has an elite defensive coordinator in Joe Rossi. The question mark, of course, is Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr., who are the co-offensive coordinators now that Kirk Shiraka departed to Rutgers. Ethan Kaliak-Manis and Cole Kramer is an interesting quarterback battle, but at skill position with tight end Brevin Spanford, Corey Crooms and Sean Tyler, a wide receiver and running back coming in from Western Michigan, who were great, and an offensive line that returns both tackles, I think this passing game will vastly improve. They could have the second-best receiver room, tight end and wide receiver included, in the Big Ten. They have Michigan and Ohio State on their schedule, which is just brutal, and I think they'll also lose to Iowa on the road along with Michigan and Ohio State, but they will upset Wisconsin at home, and they'll upset Nebraska at home as well, two hated rivals to start and end the regular season and have a 9-3, and 6-3 and three record in the Big Ten. At number 16, we got Ole Miss, the Lane Train, once again appearing in the top 25. The Lane Train, I think, using the portal, not doing much with high school recruiting, has its upsides and has its downsides. On one hand, the transfer portal can revolutionize your roster. On the other, you can bring in two quarterbacks like Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard, and you may push Jackson Dart a little, but honestly, nothing much changes. I think the biggest upgrade for Ole Miss this season is actually going to be their defense, and it's going to be because of their hiring of Pete Golding. Returning Quinshawn Judkins obviously helps. He could be the nation's number one running back. And with Zach Evans' departure, you bet that they're going to rely on him even more than they did last season. And Lane Kiffin is a great offensive mind, and Pete Golding's an underrated hire. But I would bet on their defense and their run game being the identity of this team. They're coming off of a 10-3 and season in 2021 and an 8-5 season last year. They will improve going 9-3, and 5-3 and in the SEC. They have a road game at Alabama and at Georgia, which... Once again, it's just brutal. They'll lose both of those games, along with the game against LSU. But a road win against Auburn, a possible trap game on the road against Tulane, and a game against Texas A&M, those will be impressive wins for Lane Kiffin. At number 15, we got Florida State. This is the first ACC team in this top 25. The second, of course, will be Clemson, who I have ranked ahead of them. Obviously, Clemson would not be left off of this top 25 with Garrett Riley, but we'll get into that shortly. Mike Norvell in Florida State has a lot of lot of eyes on them. They have very high expectations. ESPN, heck, has them in the top four. They're number one in returning production, which is great. However, may I remind you they have questions at wide receiver, questions at running back, their defense, while they have Jared Verse at D-line and Central Cypress at defensive back, those two rooms could be the best in the nation at those respective positions. They have that ceiling. And they have a great tight end, Jaheim Bell. And also, don't forget about um, Jordan Travis at quarterback, 
Very underrated prospect there. Um, great player. They do play in the ACC, and their talent overall, they haven't recruited yet. They've used the portal well, and they have gotten top 25 portal classes, but they don't have even that top 15 roster talent yet. They have boatloads of experience, but when it comes to the blue chip ratio and their ACC schedule, which is weak, I just don't see this team as a top 10 team yet. I think they will lose in a rematch to LSU, where they barely beat the Tigers last year, and on the road at Clemson will be tough to win as well. But road games against Pittsburgh, Florida, maybe Wake Forest could be impressive, but overall the schedule's weak outside of Clemson and LSU. We have number 14, Clemson, up next. Clemson, undefeated, 12-0, 8-0. I think they'll beat every team on their schedule. And yet they're outside the top 10. Why is that? Well, much like Florida State, I'm not even going to talk about their past schedule or their past because the ACC is getting profoundly weaker year after year. Who's on their schedule that we should be worried about? Who? And I am spending a little extra time on Clemson and Florida State because most people have them inside the top 10. I don't. Florida State is their biggest game. It's at home. Notre Dame would be their second biggest. That's at home. NC State might be the only tough road test. Miami can't even fill their stadium. This schedule is weak, which means a team like Clemson, who has a weak wide receiver room, a weak tight end room, an offensive line that is good, but it's just not great. It'll fold when facing a SEC or Big Ten defense. They're good defensively with talent, but I don't trust their defensive staff. I don't like Wes Goodwin or Mickey Kahn. Offensively, they have the opposite problem. They have less talent on the field offensively, but they have a better coordinator in Garrett Riley, who I think is the nation's best offensive coordinator, or at least very close to it. And they also have a proven head coach in Dabo Swinney. So their staff will help the talent discrepancy, but when they rematch Florida State in the ACC Championship, or if they go 13-0, which I don't think they'd beat Florida State twice, but anyway, if they were to go undefeated and reach the CFP, I think it would be similar to 2014 Florida State's result. It would be a bloodbath. Clemson, not a playoff team this year, in my opinion, respectfully. Number 13 Oregon State, though, I think, in my mind, has a better chance of competing for a national title game appearance, at least. Like, they could actually be national title contenders more so than Clemson. That sounds really weird to say, but I think with what they have in Damian Martinez at running back, I think that they have DJ Uyunglele, a former transfer from Clemson at quarterback. I think Jonathan Smith will help him. They'll have an elite offensive line. Their special teams will be good. I think Oregon State, while lacking in on-field talent, I think that the Pac-12 is very deep this year. I'm very high on the Pac-12. And I think that this team will have success. They're coming off of a 7-6 and and 10-3 and season in 2021 and 2022, respectively. I think they'll go 10-2, and 7-2 in the Pac-12. Starting off 10-0, they will be in the playoff competing picture in November. I can guarantee you that. But back-to-back -back games against Washington and playing at Oregon, 
where Oregon's going to be out for blood. Those two are going to be tough to overcome, but beating Utah at home and traveling on the road to Washington State, those will be impressive wins as well. Up next, we have the number 12 USC Trojans. USC, I think, is a team that is similar to Clemson in Florida State. They're ranked incredibly high, but they have tons of questions. Like Clemson, in fact, Clemson has a great quarterback in Cade Klubnick and a great running back in Will Shipley. USC, great running back room with Austin Jones, Relique Brown, Marshawn Lloyd, elite number one quarterback in the nation in Caleb Williams. Unlike Clemson, they have an elite wide receiver room as well with Mario Williams and also incoming Arizona transfer Dorian Singer. But they have questions at tight end and offensive line, much like Clemson does. And they have talent on defense. I think Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry at linebacker, that that right there is some NFL freak-level talent. Their staff defensively, like Clemson's, but to an even greater degree, is questionable. Alex Grinch is similar to Gerard Parker. He's one of the worst FBS coordinators. I don't know why he's at USC or employed there. But Lincoln Riley... I think somewhat compensates for that. He's definitely a top 10 head coach. When you look at the schedule, though, it is tough. Road game at Notre Dame, road game at Oregon, hosting Washington and Utah, who should be great teams. All those teams should be great teams. And I just think that Utah matches up with USC favorably, and it's a road game against Oregon. I think those two will be losses. But 10-2, and 7-2 in the Pac-12, with a home win against Washington and beating Notre Dame on the road, that will be mightily impressive in my opinion. At number 11, we got Oregon. The Oregon Ducks sit at 10-2, and 7-2 in my projections. They'll improve from 9-3, and 7-2 and last year and improve, that was the regular season, and they went 10-4 in 2021. So they'll have, in my opinion, three 10-win seasons in a row starting from 2021, which would be much impressive. It helps to get that extra regular season win when you don't have Georgia as your first game of the year. That was pretty crazy last year. They returned Bo Nix at quarterback, who proved himself to be a star last year, and honestly proved everyone, myself included, who didn't think he would do well wrong. They have an elite running back room with Noah Whittington and Bucky Irving at wide receiver. They have Troy Franklin, right there and I think that Troy Franklin he's one of the fastest wide receivers in the country Oregon's identity and I said this in my top 10 offense video they're all about speed I kind of like how in that speed sense they're returning to those old Chip Kelly Mark Helfrich offenses they also have great offensive line play they grabbed a Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island in the transfer portal they have questions on defense but they also brought in a ton of transfers there I think they'll lose on the road to Washington and on the road to Utah, but they'll have impressive wins over USC at home and also Oregon State at home. They also have an interesting early non-conference matchup on the road at Texas Tech, so stay tuned for that. We are now entering the top 10. This is where things get interesting, is in the top 10. Got it off with Texas. That's what we're kicking off the top 10 with is Texas. Steve Sarkeesian has never won 10 games as a head coach, regardless of what you think of him as a head coach or his staff. 
got to admit that Texas is top 25 in returning production. They have a deep quarterback room with Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, and Arch Manning at wide receiver. They have Jordan Whittington. They have Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayer. At tight end, they have Jatavion Sanders. They return all five starting offensive linemen, and they had a great offensive line last year. And defensively, they return similar production numbers. So I love this team, and I think that they are going to be by far the best team in the Big 12. They unfortunately have a road game against Alabama early, which I think will be too much to overcome. And I also think they'll be upset in a trap game on the road against TCU. But a 10-2, and 8-1 Big 12 record will be very impressive in Steve Sarkeesian's third year. Texas, like all but one team in my top 10, has the potential, in my opinion, to win a national championship. I think Texas certainly could win a national title in 2023 after a 5-7 and 8-5 season record in 2021 and 2022. Up next, we have number nine, Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Badgers last year went seven and six, barely escaped a losing record. They went nine and four in 2021. I was accurate in predicting that Wisconsin would have a down year last year. I was not accurate in predicting that they would fire Paul Christ, but it was worth it because they hired a genius in Luke Fickle, who then turned around and hired genius coordinators in Phil Longo and Mike Tressel, respectively. They have a great running back room with Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. Their offensive line through the transfer portal and through returning starters should be among the nation's best, and they have a great linebacker room, too. Their weakness will be on special teams and at wide receiver. They got Chimre DK at wide receiver, but C.J. Williams and the other incoming transfers haven't really taken the step forward that many Wisconsin fans and college football fans thought that they might. They have Tanner Mordecai at quarterback, but he didn't look good in the spring game either. It was one of the least impressive spring games that I've seen. Nonetheless, you take spring games lightly, and I think that Wisconsin's going to be a top 10 team, and they're not the one team in my top 10 who I don't think can win a national title. We're getting to them. I think Wisconsin under Luke Fickle, could do the seemingly impossible in year one. I don't think they will, though. I think they'll lose at home to Ohio State and on the road against rival Minnesota. Beating Iowa at home and traveling on the road to Purdue, Illinois, and Washington State, those will be impressive wins with a 10-2, and 7-2 record in the Big Ten Conference. At number eight, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is a low ranking for Alabama. Very low ranking. 10 and 2, 6 and 2 in the SEC with a good win at Texas, not at Texas but playing Texas in week 2, good win over Ole Miss, Tennessee, even LSU. The problem is Alabama for the past 2 seasons, even though they went 13 and 2 and 11 and 2, they have struggled mightily on the road. In fact, all 3 of their regular season losses over the past 2 seasons have been on the road, and I think that they will lose to Texas A&M and Auburn on the road. Those are teams that are going to be fantastic, either schematically or schematically and talent on one side of the ball. 
Those are both intimidating environments. Both have rivalries with Alabama. I think they'll get the best of Alabama this year because Alabama has issues at quarterback with Tyler Buckner. And then, of course, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson are competing for that quarterback battle. I'm still pretty high on Jalen Milrow, but bringing in Buckner has really sunk some of my hopes for Jalen Milrow, I think, being a Heisman-level quarterback. I don't think that prediction is going to age well, but we'll see. They also have some issues at wide receiver. I think they could pick up a Keon Coleman in the portal, but their running back room with Roydo Williams and Chase McClellan, that's going to be amazing. They have a great tight end in C.J. Dupree, and they have Caleb Downs, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and other great players in the defensive back position. So 10-2, 6-2 for Alabama. Obviously, with their talent, though, and their head coach and Nick Saban, they have the potential to win a national title. No question about that. This is the school Brian Kelly, LSU, thick Southern accent that I think is incapable of winning a national title. Despite the fact that they're ranked ahead of Alabama, I do have them losing to Alabama. It's because I think that LSU, while not having as high of a ceiling as Alabama does, they have a higher floor. I think their roster with much greater returning production, Alabama's like outside of the top 120 in returning production, LSU is easily close to the top 25, if not inside the top 25, top 15. They return Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer at quarterback. At wide receiver, they return Malik Neighbors. Defensively, Mason Smith's going to be healthy at D-line, and they have a unicorn, Harold Perkins, at linebacker. And they're, they're phenomenal. They also got Omar Spates via the transfer portal who is an all-Pac-12 linebacker, too. So they're going to be phenomenal, I think LSU will be, defensively. Special teams, I think, once again, will be a disaster. They have depth concerns at tight end. The offensive line isn't proven, and neither is their running back room. Even if they added Logan Diggs, their running back room would not even be close to the best of the nation. Their lone loss, I think, will come on the road, in a revenge game for the Alabama Crimson Tide, but their consistency will pay off and pay them their for their second year in a row, mind you. They went 10-4 and four and reached the SEC title game last year. They'll reach it again in 2023. We have Penn State at number six. The Penn State Nittany Lions at 10-2, 7-2 in the Big Ten is my projected record, will improve greatly. Miles they will improve in front of their 2021 counterparts and 2022 counterparts. I almost messed that up. They went 7-6 and six in 2021 and 11-2 and two in 2022. Now, how can they improve, like drastically improve, and still have the same record as last year? Well, the answer lies in the fact that I think Ohio State and Michigan drastically improve as well. In fact, Penn State doesn't return Ohio State and Michigan return more production than Penn State does, and both have more talent, and both have used the transfer portal more. Nonetheless, Penn State is a national title contender. They're a Big Ten contender. They're not at the same level as Ohio State or Michigan, in my opinion, but they're still competing for a conference championship. At quarterback, they have Drew Aller, which I think is their biggest question mark, and therefore I'm going to project that to be their, their weakness in 2023 will be their quarterback. But at running back, they have Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, and Trey Potts. 
deep, impressive running back room that I think is top three nationally. They have a great linebacker in Abdul Carter, a D-line with players like Chop Robinson. Defensive back, they have a unicorn in Kalen King at corner. They have great playmakers, great talent, and they also got Dante Cephas through the transfer portal. This should be one of James Franklin's most talented squads. I think they'll lose at Ohio State and at home versus Michigan, but they'll beat Illinois on the road, and they'll beat Iowa at home, and they'll win the rest of their 10 games, I think, in pretty dominant fashion, in my opinion. Up next, we have number five, Utah. The Utah Utes, 10-2, 7-2 in the Pac-12. I think Utah, I think this will be their best, I think it'll be their best roster that Kyle Whittingham has had in quite some time. Again, another team that returns a whole lot of talent. They return Cameron Rising at quarterback. They return a great running back in Jaquindon Jackson. I think they, it's not Tavion Thomas, but there's another running back whose name briefly escapes me who's returning to. Very deep running back room. At wide receiver, they picked up a couple of incoming transfers that I think are impressive, and that pairs well with the tight end room that will have Thomas Yasmin and Brant Cuthy could be one of the better tight end rooms in the nation. And not could, but will be. Offensively, this team will be a nightmare to deal with. And defensively, they'll be solid like always. The Pac-12 is deep this year. Every schedule for every Pac-12 team has some semblance of toughness to it. Utah plays two Power 5 non-conference opponents, Florida and on the road at Baylor. I think they'll probably smash both of them. But road games against Oregon State and Washington, two teams that have, I think, top 15 potential and will be top 15, those will be losses. Those will be games that are too much to overcome, especially when you're already playing USC on the road and Oregon and UCLA at home. A very impressive 10-2 and record with a 7-2 and record in conference. Kyle Whittingham is coming off of two 10-4 and seasons in a row where he won the Pac-12 easily. I think that he is a top 10, top 5 head coach. At number 4, we have Washington. This is the highest-ranked Pac-12 team. And I think through the Huskies, but potentially through the Utes, the Ducks, the Beavers, or the Trojans, I think the Pac-12 will get its first playoff team since 2016 in. I think they will. The Huskies, I project them to go 11-1, and Eight and one in conference, their sole loss being to USC on the road. They open up against Boise State, which could be a challenge, and they have road games at Michigan State in the non-conference, at Oregon State and Washington State as well to close out the season. But Utah at home, Oregon at home, while those are home games, those two teams will be tough tasks to ask of. However, Michael Penix, Roma Dunzi, Jalen McMillan, Giles Jackson, that's those are the primary guys who take care of the passing game. Those, it'll be a lot to ask of defenses to prevent that passing game from dicing them up. Michael Penix Jr. is a Heisman contender at quarterback. Keelan DeBoer and Ryan Grubb are geniuses on the offensive side of the ball. Special teams and defense will be the kryptonite of this team, but I think their offense, especially with their big physical O-line, they got a good running back in the portal, too, in Dylan Johnson. They'll be hard to stop. And their passing game, 
No one is going to stop this passing game. I'll tell you that right now. At number three, we have Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs are looking to three-peat, and I'm telling you it's very possible, very possible, especially with their cupcake schedule. It's incredibly possible. 12-0, 8-0 in the SEC with their toughest game either being on the road at Tennessee or Auburn, maybe at home versus Ole Miss. None of those teams are in my top 10. They don't have, a, in my opinion, they don't have a single top 10 team, not even a single top 15 team on their schedule in the regular season. And their only weakness really isn't even a weakness. It's their special teams or their running back room. And their run game will still be good because they return Cedric Van Pran at center and have an amazing offensive line that could be the nation's number one O-line. At tight end, they have the unanimous, for now, number one tight end room with Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp. They brought in Dominic Lovett and Ra-Ra Thomas at wide receiver to get them together with Ladd McConkie. At quarterback, they have Carson Beck, Brock Vandegriff, and Gunnar Stockton. They're loaded on offense. On defense, Nazir Stackhouse will just, he will replace Trayvon Walker, and who's replaced by Jalen Carter, who's going to be replaced by Nazir Stackhouse. That right there, I think, will just be the embodiment of how Georgia's defense continuously reloads. Best, I think one of the best, if not the best staff in the nation with Kirby Smart as head coach, Glenn Schumann as defensive coordinator, and Mike Bobo, he's been given a system that was built by a genius in Todd Monken. This team will be undefeated. I, I would be surprised, actually, if they had even just one loss in the regular season. At number two, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State is coming off of two 11-2 seasons, where they lost to Michigan both times. The other time, they won the Rose Bowl in 2021, but lost to Oregon in exchange for that. Last year in 2022, they won all their games except the Michigan game and lost by one point to Georgia. Imagine if that was different. If they beat Georgia and beat TCU, the narrative around Ohio State would be totally different, and Ryan Day would be a top-four head coach for winning a national title. This Ohio State team is loaded. They have the best wide receiver room in the country. They have a top-three running back room, if healthy, with Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden. Obviously, at wide receiver with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, number one wide receiver room in the nation. Offensively, they return both of their starting guards and Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones. Defensively, their best player is probably going to be JT Tuimolau, a defensive end, or Tommy Eichenberg, a linebacker. Ryan Day is an elite head coach. He is an elite offensive coordinator in Brian Hartline and an elite defensive coordinator in Jim Knowles. There's no doubt, in my opinion, that this team will take a step forward. The unfortunate thing for them is they have to travel to the big house this year. If they hosted Michigan again after 2022, the narrative might be different, and my pick might be different. However, I think that they will lose on the road to once again close out the year with a loss to Michigan. But beating Wisconsin and Notre Dame on the road and Penn State at home, they're going to beat a lot of good teams, and I think they're going to beat all those teams likely by double digits, potentially by blowouts. And last but not least, we got the Michigan Wolverines at number one. This is my pick to win the national title. That's my pick. I think Jim Harbaugh has assembled an elite staff. 
Sharon Moore is the offensive coordinator. Jesse Minter is the defensive coordinator. I think that J.J. McCarthy could be... I think he could be a Heisman-level quarterback. I don't think he'll win the award because Michigan doesn't like to use their quarterbacks. They prefer to pound the football away, and they have the unanimous number one running back room in the country to do that with, with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards there. Wide receiver would be a weakness, but much like Ohio State and Georgia, these three teams, I can't really pinpoint a specific weakness with them. They're good everywhere. And Michigan, where they lack compared to Ohio State or Georgia in terms of high school recruiting talent. They have a better transfer portal class than either, and they're top five in returning production. And unlike Florida State, their schedule will challenge them and force them to learn, and they fulfill the blue-chip ratio, which is a key to being a team that has the potential to win the national title. They might have the number one offensive line and number one defensive line at the same time, with Drake Nugent at center, and also on the defensive line, you got guys like Josiah Stewart, Chris Jenkins. You have Ernest Hausman at linebacker, who is the number one, not number one, but number two transfer portal player in the 2023 class. This team, in my opinion, will go undefeated in the regular season. The only other two teams that will will be Georgia and Clemson, and Georgia's the other team that could compare to Michigan. Clemson, as I've already stated, don't have respect for that schedule, nor respect for that team if they go 12-0. Don't think they can win a national title this year. A win at Penn State, very impressive. Beating Ohio State at home will also be very impressive. So Michigan is my pick to win the national title, obviously, at number one. And I apologize for that brief error at the end of the video. Thank you all for watching. If you enjoyed this Top 25 segment, please make sure to hit the subscribe button, like this video, hit the notification bell, and comment your top 25 down below. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.